Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this week's podcast, three businesses that have grown during lockdown, doing very different things. We've the optician who's helping your eyes because we're staring too much at our screens, the architect who designed an easy way to avoid getting wet while dining outdoors, and the software engineer who's gotten rid of paper menus. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Now, ordering food has become a little more tricky. If you have been in a restaurant in recent times, the menu is a thing of the past because it has to be wiped down and cleaned, uh, and that's kind of hard to do. And what happens if you want to have a look at things before you get there? Maybe order food before you get to the restaurant. There has been great advances in technology um, that have been adapted to meet that need. And my next guest is somebody who's been working very hard on this. The, the company, I think, John Toomey, it's called Swoofy. Is that right? That's correct, Swoofy. Tell me what Swoofy does. So what Swoofy does um, in the current context, uh, we have a food ordering app. Um, and it's a very, very simple app that allows businesses to set up their menus and it allows customers to order and pay for food from the app. What's very different about it is um, we've made it simple. And it's it's a very difficult thing to make things simple. Um, so... What we mean by simple is customers looking to order food don't need to download an app. They don't need to create an account. They don't need to put in a password. They can simply um, scan a QR code that a business makes available to them or type a URL. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a second. The menu displays on your phone and you can order and pay. <clears throat> and it's that simple. So, from so the in business- other words, go- gone are the menus on the tables. Is it just a little QR code and you use your smartphone? That's exactly it. The, the, the business can put a QR code on the table and when I sit down to the table, take out my phone and scan the QR code and here I have the menu on my phone. Um, I didn't need to download an app. I didn't need to create uh, an account. Um, it's really simple. You can then order and pay and the um, order goes to the goes to the counter, uh, inside behind the counter, appears on um, a tablet. And your food can be brought to your table. Um, so it, it, it's that simple. You can also use um, a URL. So if the business sets up, if I'm, if I'm a cafe, Toomey's Cafe, you can type in toomeyscafe.swoofy.com. So when you create an account, we use your business name. We merge it with the Swoofy name. Uh, so it's toomeycafe.swoofy.com. Um, if you don't want to scan the QR code or you can't, you can just quite simply access it. Okay. By so does it remove the step that we're used to, which is the waiter or waitress coming over and taking your order? You put everything into the app and it goes straight behind the counter and, and you're reducing interactions then, which is what you're supposed to be doing uh, during the pandemic. Yes, that, that, that's the aim. That's the aim that, that it tries to reduce the need um, for somebody to come over, especially in this time, to, to come over and physically interact with you. Um, I suppose originally it's, 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 it, the idea was, was envisaged many years ago before this pandemic and the idea was that, you know, if I'm going in to a cafe um, and I, I need to do a few things, uh, read, read some notes about a meeting or a paper, I can just sit down at the table, scan the QR code, order my coffee and get on with my business. Um, that I, I don't need to be waiting for somebody to come over. Um, I don't need to be standing in a queue. And it was to make life easier for, for people to use those facilities and for the restaurant itself um, to streamline more their order taking behind the counter and they don't have queues building up uh, at the counter. Um, so that was the idea behind it. 
So yeah, they, they, you, you have an option to, um, you can choose, a business can, when they set up a Swoofy account, can choose to offer um, table service, which is eat-in. They can also offer a click and collect or a delivery service. So if you um, type in toomiscafe.swoofy.com, you can choose to pick up your sandwich or your coffee or whatever it is. Um, or if it's a takeaway, you can choose to have it delivered. Um, so those options are available for the business to offer those three okay. different options. So you obviously had Swoofy.com working already in the field. How quickly did you move to adapt it to this new era? Um, actually, yeah, it's a, it's a funny story because it was around, we had the food, the first idea behind Swoofy was ordering food in-house um, using an app that you didn't have to download. So this idea was always around um, which was about three or four years ago. When we started to develop it, we had to look at, I suppose, the main issue with all of this is around the payments and, and how you handle payments and, and deal with to an app without having to log in. When we did that, we actually found, you know what, we've, we've developed a payment app, we've come across a payment app, and we went live with the payments app. So we have a payments app there for, for people who want to take card payments without the need to, to use uh, card machines, download apps, again, the same idea. So we parked the actual uh, menu for a while, for a couple of years while we were focusing on, on Sufi Pay. Then when this pandemic hit, we thought, you know what, this actually might be a solution for businesses out there, especially when you hear about table service in, in bars and restaurants and cafes. And we took it out and said it wasn't an awful lot of work to get it back out or to get it out to market uh, because it was, it was developed a couple of years ago. It was just sitting on the shelf and we decided to resurrect it in the current climate. And understandably so. Um, is, is this the way restaurants were going anyway, do you think? Did, has COVID just accelerated it a smidge? I, 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 w- I would personally think so because I, I was always of the argument I can't understand why I can't do this in the past. Um, and, and I suppose the idea came from, especially when you've limited time in a place and, and you need to get in, you just want to grab a quick coffee, uh, you're running to a meeting or something like that. Um, I, I just didn't understand why why the service wasn't available there anyway. Similarly for takeaways, um for them to have their own platform rather than uh, sitting on a platform with, with their com- with their competitors. It's a simple way for them to get their menu out there on their own platform, advertising their own name.sufi.com if you want to order your takeaway. Um, so yes, I believe it's, it's just accelerating things. The, the, the pandemic has, has just made this happen okay. faster. And, and how do you stop the old dash and dine that might happen if you order on the app and then you have your dinner and then you don't pay on the app and you just do a legger? Do, do you pay for the food before it lands on the table? Exactly, you do. Um, you, you pay for it when the order goes through. Uh, so, so you can send the order through without paying for it. So, so, complete, so it gets rid of any of that kind of stuff. And again, I keep coming back to the idea. I've often been in places where I rush into a meeting. I just need to get a quick coffee and it's not coming in time and you need to dash. Um, and you're leaving cash on the table before you go. So this way you can order your coffee, pay for it. If it doesn't come or it doesn't arrive, or you need to go. Um, but it, it also addresses the issue just raised. There's, there's no ordering and dashing off or anything like that. Also oh. would work great for, for places like Princess Street at the moment where we hear all the um, tables are out on Princess Street. Uh, you can be sitting at your table outside. You don't even need to go inside the cafe, sit down at the table, scan the QR code and your order is brought out to your table and as I say it's already paid for when you order. Look you've put a lot of thought and effort into this you're obviously a software designer how did you start working in this area did you just have uh, a consumer's interest in restaurants or, or was there something else in you that, that, that led you in this direction? 
Well, we're developing software. We're around developing software for, for, for the last 12 years plus. Uh, we develop taxation software as well. Uh, the other side of the well, house. Well, that's far more boring. Uh, which is far more boring, exactly. Um, and the, the idea, as I said, I can't take all the credit. We, we, we travel a lot in the office and, and you do come up with scenarios where you're just trying to grab a quick sandwich and it just becomes frustrating um, I've been in airports where I've been asked to if I if I want to order using an app, and I'm trying to download an app on their Wi-Fi, and it's taking, you know, ten or fifteen. You're just getting frustrated, and we just tried. To, we thought about it and said, how can you do this really, really simply? Why does life life doesn't have to be so complicated? Um, so let's try look at making it simple. So we kicked the ideas around, and, and that's how it evolved from there. Uh, as I okay. said, worked with a really great group of guys. Uh, who were great with ideas and, again, the focus on making things simple. Yeah, well, again, the best ideas come out of an identified need, which you had at johnswoofie.com, S-W-O-O-F-E-E.com is the website address. John Toomey, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I look forward to using the app when I'm out and about. Thanks very much, Jonathan. Red Business, all that's best about business in Cork. Necessity, they say, is the mother of invention and, boy... Have we needed to invent things as we deal with COVID-19? My next guest has designed, com- has designed something called the Street Pot. If you tried to pitch this around this time last year, they'd have looked at you as if you'd got six heads. Now it's an eminently sensible idea. Marco Rian, how are you? I'm grand, Jonathan. It's nice to be on air with you. How can you describe the Street Pot to me? Um, the street pod is a design reaction to the need for social distancing in response to COVID-19. It, it was a, it, it arose out of a sketch that I did. I did five sketches in Kinsale in around the 7th of May, um, really looking at how we could move commercial activity into public space so that people could businesses could could have the ability to survive uh, because they weren't weren't going to be able to fit people into their premises anymore. They'd have a reduced number of people in their premises. So I was looking at the idea of using car parking spaces immediately outside premises that could accommodate an intimate group or a family group. And that's really where the concept came Hmm. from. Now, I'm going to do something terrible here because I'm looking at a picture of it uh, and it's outside the Bullman, which is a fantastic pub. I've been in it many times. It it, it looks a little bit like a shed. And I know that's insulting uh, to it, but (laughs) it's kind of like a shed, isn't it? Uh, it's a small domestic scale unit. Um, uh, it's not too much bigger than a garden shed that you might have outside the back of uh, your house. But we've been through a lot of design development uh, in coordination with a lot of town councils. Uh, so it's a very fancy shed. It's a steel frame structure. Uh, with a lot of fire-rated materials in it. Uh, We've particularly looked at how to make it secure, how to make it safe, uh, how to make it so that uh, it couldn't be vandalized. Uh, You know, so, uh, yeah, it's a, I would say it's a 
fancy looking shed uh, yeah. I'd hope yeah well it's, it's definitely fancy looking and I wouldn't mind sitting in it uh, it also has the advantage of keeping it dry because there appears to be some kind of way of keeping the rain out yeah it's fun so we have perspex on either side uh, uh, perspex doors on either side a uh, big perspex window on the other side facing the street and you can have the doors open if you want uh, there's a hatch on the the window side for serving food into it and really the idea of the perspex is both to give you a view out of uh, the street pod uh, towards whatever view you have outside the bullman it's fantastic um, uh, but also to increase the transparency of the unit and make it more sympathetic to the architectural surroundings that it might be going into. Can you lock it at night? Yeah, and it locks at night. We have uh, the uh, door locking mechanisms uh, on the concertina door entering it um, and the hatch on the other side locks as well. Okay. Now, this is one of those things, I'd imagine, Mark, that, as I said at the outset, if you had pitched it 12 months ago, they, they might have certified you. It just shows you that you can evolve quite quickly in how you think of things and adapt to the need that is there. I mean, you you wouldn't have necessarily led with this, but boy, it's become important. Yeah, I, I must say, uh, Brian uh, O'Regan and his dad, Bernard in OR Construction, are, are really the people who have reacted so quickly to what was clearly a conceptual design. And they they worked with me in very much an iterative process and then with the councils in an iterative process to develop a product really, really fast. You have to remember that the first product was made, StreetPod uh, 1.0, was made in 10 days. You know, so, so so that's incredible from from sketch to reality in 10 days. We then discovered, you know, kind of uh, what were the problems with it, leveling it, the security of it, the concertina doors so um, it wouldn't impinge on the footpath and, and making it accessible. So th- there was a lot of refinements to happen to it. We completely changed the materiality, uh, the steel frame from a metal frame and the overall durability of the unit. Mm. But we now found, find ourselves with a product that's actually really, really flexible mm. beyond COVID-19. Like we see this. I, I could see this in my back garden, let me put it that way. How, how much does it cost, I suppose, is the important question people will be asking. Well, it depends on how much you want to order, Jonathan. Um, I'll give you a discount <laughs> on 10 if you want. Um, uh, we, have, we have a very minimum, uh, very minimal uh, uh, um, margin on the product itself and uh, we're only selling it at about 10% uh, over the production cost so it it, it 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 does cost in the numbers of thousands because of the materials uh, to produce it. Yeah but it's not something you're going to get rid of uh, at the end of year one presumably this is designed for repeat use year after year in fact it probably could be used all year round could it? Well, that's the whole intent of it. If you take a look out on this lovely July day, it's (laughs) raining, you know. Um, So we've designed this with a Medi Trichoia Extreme, which is made uh, in Tipperary uh, uh, down in Clamel, and it's certified for 50 years externally, you know, in uh, in the rain, in Irish weather. And, And that's the one thing that we have to remember 
we've got the most in, uh, 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 we've got undependable weather in this country and you know in the middle of July you cannot depend on the sun to be shining so I, I find it very difficult if I were a, a restaurateur taking a booking for half six in the evening for a sitting to last till eight o'clock that that sitting is going to turn up if the weather goes bad yeah, street pod means you can you can at least accommodate them, even if it is raining on the outside. Um, look, you, you, as you said, you lecture in CIT. Um, is this the kind of thing that is going to help rewrite the way we we look at structures, permanent structures, temporary structures, uh, how we kit out interiors? COVID nineteen is a game changer on many levels, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it'll rewrite exactly how we do everything. We're certainly looking at a prefabricated uh, construction here. Definitely COVID is going to have a medium term impact on how we design interiors. You could kind of see like, you know, the idea of uh, the uh, uh, snugs in old Irish pubs kind of coming back into vogue because that idea of accommodating a smaller amount of people and keeping them separated is, is going to be uh, clearly something that is necessary if you're going to need to get the amount of headcount into your premises. So it, that's definitely going to have an impact going forward. Okay, well, we wish you the very best of luck. Uh, congratulations to yourself and to Brian uh, for coming up with this idea. Um, how can people find out more if they want to maybe order a few street pods? Yeah, well, we're get, we're, we're, we're inundated with uh, orders at the moment, which is great. Um, you can find us on streetpod.ie. Uh, and if you inquire from that point there, you'll, you'll be actually able to see a video and everything on it and how they were made. Uh, it's really interesting. And our next development is in home office pod for at the back of your garden. So we'll sort you out there, Jonathan. <laughs> Just in case the kids don't go back to school in September, that could become very, very <laughs> valuable. Marco Ryan of Street Pod, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck. You're, you're very welcome, man. Thanks for having us on, Jonathan. Bye. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. My next guest and his wife set up an e-commerce business that sells glasses with specialised lenses that protect your eyes from the harmful blue light on the computer screen or the iPad or whatever we have been staring intently at in particular for the last couple of months. Um, Seamus Flynn, CEO of Sapphire Eyewear, how are you? Good, Jonathan, thanks for having me. Um, now, this is something that we are all conscious of. My phone tells me once a week how bad I have been at staring at that just individual screen, not to mention the laptop screen or the television I've been looking at as well. What is the blue light that, that your eyewear protects you from? Yeah, so basically all digital devices um, emit um, light um, from the blue light spectrum as well as from, from all the spectrum of the light. And it's the blue light that has the high energy wavelengths that cause um, damage to the eyes and cause a lot of eye strain, headaches, and even sleep disturbances as well. So it's the blue light in particular that um, that we're trying to block. Um, that's what's causing the most trouble. Okay. Um, and what is the effect that it has on the human body? I mean, we, we think staring at screens. My mother always said you'd go square right, but my eyes don't go square, but something else does happen to them. 
Yeah, it, it, it really is just the high energy of the blue light because the blue light um, is it's part of the visual spectrum that's closest to the high energy UV light. And we all know that the UV can cause um, damage to the eye. So to a lesser extent, um, the blue light can also. And as I say, the main um, symptoms that we're getting is, is strain on our eyes, strain on the visual system, uh, headaches, migraines. And uh, one of the things that it also does, it, it, it um, reduces the production of melanin, um, which is a sleep hormone um, that regulates sleep. Um, and that's why you'd notice that people who are, would say, using their phones before they go to bed at nighttime, and the blue light from the screen is reducing that production of melanin and that um that sorry melatonin sorry and that um disrupts the cacardian rhythm and um okay. disrupts the sleep patterns now do you need these to be prescription glasses so for example if you need glasses do you need to get special glasses to zone out the blue light or can anybody wear these no anybody can get them so we we um do them with both prescription and non-prescription glasses um, so people who've never worn glasses before um, can also use them. And that, that's actually one of our biggest sellers at the moment are people who, who, who don't wear glasses. But also if you have a prescription, it's no problem that we can get it incorporated into the prescription lenses too. How much of a problem is this going to be? I mean, you mentioned the list there. Eye strain, tired eyes, headaches, sleep disturbances. Most people are probably just living with that at the moment. They mightn't be blaming the screens that they're staring at, but they mightn't be aware that there's a problem. Yeah, it's it's a big problem. And even um, in clinic over the last five years in particular, like I've noticed a huge increase in the in the number of people who are complaining about these symptoms. And it, I think it's really a, it's a direct correlation to the increase in, in usage of digital devices. You know, more and more people are spending more and more time on their on their smartphones and even, you know, watching Netflix uh, in the evening. Um, we carried out a survey recently to show that we're spending uh, three and a half hours a day on average on our smartphones alone. That's not taken into account all the other digital devices. Uh, and we're actually accessing our phones on average 55 times a day. So it's it's definitely on the increase. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we were noticing more and more people with that issue. I, yeah, I have to say that 55 times a day is probably a conservative estimate in my case, Seamus. I, I'm willing to admit that. Look, you know what you're talking yeah. about. How long have you been studying the eyes? I've been qualified as an optician um, since 2003, so around um, 17 years now. Um, and as I say, it, it was an issue back then, uh, but certainly not to the same extent uh, as it is now. And um, in particularly um, since the lockdown, uh, it's really gone through the roof, like because obviously people are spending even more time than the, than usual on their on their digital devices. So you know, we've seen a, a huge increase in business since since the lockdown about three months ago. Um, and of course, we are in a world now where LED light is all around us, literally all around us um, in every location. Is that affecting how we are behaving at nighttime? Uh, that bright white light that previously might have been a kind of a lovely sodium orange or the screens from every window versus what used to be darkened mannequins. Is that all having a kind of a creeping effect on our eyesight? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, the the um, obviously in, in particular in, in, in terms of the blue light, like we're getting blue light exposure from the eyes uh, when we go outside. Um, we're always exposed to the blue light. The the, the blue light would say even from from, from the sky um, isn't uh, quite as damaging to the eyes because we're not getting it um, in, in such intensity as we are when we're in front of a screen. 
But with the newer screens, in particular the L, uh, LED screens, it, it intensifies the blue light in particular, and that's why when we've noticed that it's it, it's even more of a problem. Um, obviously, the more um, screens that are actually using that LED. Seamus, you have decided to partner up with a charity uh, called Mission for Vision. Uh, and what will that partnership involve for that charity? Yeah, so we've partnered with a, with a charity, Mission for Vision. Um, and basically what we do is we send them a pair of glasses uh, for every pair of glasses that we sell. Now, they work um, in countries like Zambia, where there is a, a major problem in terms of both access to, to eye exams, uh, because there's a very low number of opticians there per, um, per head of population, but also even after eye exams, just access to basic eyewear is an issue, um, which is something that we discovered when we, when we made a trip to Zambia a few years ago. We were, we were quite surprised to see the extent of the problem. Um, so basically, we're just trying to do our bit there to, to help increase that um, access to eyewear um, for every pair of glasses that we sell. Okay, well, that's a great initiative, and uh, it's an interesting area, one I hadn't, to be honest, heard an awful lot about, but I'm more educated than I was before, Seamus, which is the purpose of the exercise. Seamus Flynn, CEO of Sapphire Eyewear. That's sapphireeyewear.com. Thank you very much for joining us. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, every episode of Red Business, along with loads of other great content, is on redextra.ie. I'm off for the next two weeks, but we will catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.